This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name is Sam. My name is Ricardo. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. It is generally understood that the sequel to a movie is not going to be as good as the original. Sure, there are certain exceptions to this rule, but this generalisation forms the basis of a phenomenon known as sequelitis. But on the other hand, sequels to video games are often better than the originals, as developers tweak their product to better match players' expectations and current trends. But what about sequels in music? There are many documented examples of artists revisiting some of their famous works, usually decades after the release of the original, with mixed results. On tonight's show, we'll be looking into some of these sequels to gauge how applicable the concept of sequelitis is to the medium of music. It's easy to say that the third instalment is always rubbish, at least not as good as the first or second. But not as good doesn't always mean bad. It was always going to be pretty much impossible to follow Bat Out of Hell, but Meatloaf with Jim Steinman writing managed to pull it off with Bat Out of Hell 2. So how do you follow that? Well, you don't really. Bat Out of Hell 3 came out another 13 years later, and it was good, just nowhere near the calibre of the first two. This is largely down to the whole process of putting it together. While the first two were almost entirely written by Steinman, the third had multiple conflicting writers, and the Steinman penned songs were taken from other projects, such as In the Land of the Pig, The Butcher is King, which was written for a Batman musical. Yeah. However, among the other writers, you have names like Desmond Child, John Five, and Nikki Six, with guest appearances by Brian May, Jennifer Hudson, and others. So it had to be good. Anyway, yeah, I, I like it. Just definitely the weakest album in the trilogy. This is Alive. Must have been a miracle It's been a hell of a ride Destination still unknown It's a fact of life If you make one wrong move With a gun to your head You'd better walk the line Or you'll be left for dead I'm a runaway train On a broken track I'm a ticket on the bomb That you can't turn back this time That's right Lost 
is me that's made of fire And it's a long way down from the top of the world You better look around or you're gonna get burned Goldfield's Tubular Bells was a legitimate game-changer of an album when it was released in 1973. The combination of neoclassical compositions, rock instrumentation and esoteric progressive modes have cemented its rightful status as a legendary record. Much less known, however, are the four sequels released between 1992 and 2003. Once that sweet nostalgia kicked in, it seemed that Oldfield became quite addicted to revisiting past glories. But it's the first of these sequels that I want to focus on for a moment here. My opinion of Tubular Bells 2 is almost definitely influenced by how much my dad used to play it when I was a kid. But the problem is that it's a good record that openly pays tribute to a better one, refusing to crawl out of the long shadow of its predecessor. This next piece is simply called The Bell. Much like on the original album it pays homage to, this track is a master of ceremonies, who introduces each instrument. And this duty here is performed by none other than the late great Alan Rickman.
Halbrogen. sampled electric guitar.
As I've already said, it's not often in any medium that the third entry in a trilogy is the best. Yes, if you go past a trilogy, the third can be great, especially in the horror film genre, but for just a trilogy, I mean, you have what? The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, The Witcher 3, and Metallica's The Unforgiven 3. Yeah, I said it. With The Unforgiven being part of their Black Album, they go way overplayed. The Unforgiven 2 being kind of forced it's not hard for the unforgiven 3 to be the best in the trilogy but it certainly is from the quite frankly bloody fantastic 2008 album death magnetic the unforgiven 3 is the perfect way to end a trilogy so metallica please don't ruin it with an unforgiven 4 
got a lot of golden treasure. How could he know this new dawn's light would change his life forever? How can I be lost if I've got no What is it with old metal stars? Most never fully go away or change up their act, periodically releasing albums pretty much as an excuse to trot out the hits in front of paying audiences once again. One such man has very much been in this position for decades now, but when you're the one and only Alice Cooper, you can pretty much do as you please. But the question is, should he? Did you know that in 2011 he released an album called Welcome to My Nightmare? That's two with a number two. Yeah, it's a sequel. And none of us did anything to stop him. I respect the man, and as a performing musician, he is one of the all-time greats. But when you compare the two Welcome to My Nightmares, well, the comparison gets a little unkind. The first, an unimpeachable classic rock album. The other made so little impression that only his most diehard of fans even acknowledge its existence. And my favourite song on that album, because I can only think of one, is Last Man on Earth. Woke up in lonely town I opened up my eyes And much to my surprise Look at this heaven that I found Don't need to care about tomorrow I got no pain, I got no sorrow Tell me what it's worth Am I 
Often sequels make it obvious with the title that they are indeed a sequel. How do you do this? Chuck a 2, a 3, or an electric boogaloo at the end of it, and ta-da! Sequel! Hell, if you do this, you don't even have to relate the actual subject matter that much. Right, Led Zeppelin? Then we have this next case. I don't know if you could really call By The Way and Danny California sequels to Californication, but they do at least follow a sort of story with one particular character. First mentioned in Californication as the teenage bride with a baby inside, then named as Danny the Girl and By The Way, and finally in the song title itself with Danny California, which tells the whole life story, including the early death of the girl in question. This wasn't in- intentional, however. It wasn't until partway through writing Danny California that Anthony Kiedis realized that he'd been writing about the same girl this whole time. Sounds about right. Papa was a copper and the mama was a hippie In Alabama she was swinging a hammer Price you gotta pay when you break the panorama She never knew that there was anything more than gold What in the world does your company take me for? Black bandana, sweet Louisiana Robbing on a bank in the state of Indiana She's a runner, rebel and a stunner On the mirror way saying, baby, what you gonna Looking down the barrel of a hot man 45 Just another way to survive
In 2015, Kentucky Rockers My Morning Jacket released an excellent album by the name of The Waterfall, and the people rejoiced at their first batch of new material in several years. But the record was always bogged down by the knowledge that it only contained a portion of a much larger group of songs, a fact that the band were very candid about in interviews. There's always been an understanding that there was more to come. And there was. It just took five more years to materialise. And when it did, not going to lie, it was a wee bit of a letdown. The majority of The Waterfall 2 very much felt like a collection of offcuts. A case of too little too late. One where the songs were salvaging would have made for a very strong EP instead of the bloated, listless album that we got. Still a few good songs though, because it's my morning jacket and they're great. And this is Magic Bullet, definitely the best song from this one.
So I know I said all that about chucking a number on the end of an album and calling it a sequel, but look, Queen 2 is way better than A Day at the Races, and I wanted to do a Queen sequel. While A Day at the Races shares quite a bit with its predecessor, A Night at the Opera, Queen 2 is really only a sequel to the debut self-titled album by Queen, because it has a 2 on the end. You could say it's also alongside the debut as that initial era of Queen's music, so in that way, yay, sequel. But it stands on its own rather well, quite possibly the heaviest and messiest album ever recorded by Queen. This stands alongside Innuendo as my favourites ever done by the band. So from Queen 2, this is White Queen as it began.
As far as genres go, hip-hop is the undisputed king of the music sequel. Some of rap's heaviest hitters have freely indulged in follow-ups to some of their most high-charting and lucrative works. Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, Eminem and the majority of Wu-Tang Clan, just to name a few. But I'm a high-concept guy and I like high-concept things. I think it's only appropriate to talk about the sci-fi hip-hop project known as Deltron 3030. A collaboration between MC Del the Funky Homo Sapien, producer Dan the Automator and DJ Kid Koala. This future-minded trio dropped their self-titled album in 2000, describing the record as rap opera, and I really cannot overstate the influence that the project has had, as sort of a high-water mark for more experimental and concept-minded rappers. So considering how iconic this album was, how would a sequel fare? We found out in 2013 with the release of Deltron 3030 Event 2. Deltron's sequel was at least a star-studded affair, featuring everybody from Mike Patton to Lonely Island to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Unfortunately, the guest cast didn't distract from the fact that matching the impact of the original was an impossible task. So they just had to settle for a really fun throwback to the record that changed so much. And this is Deltron 3030 with What Is This Loneliness? Divide and roll. Inner spaces invaded, some say by alien races. They orbit our sun for thousands of years, creating supersonic wind tunnels, left funnels, severe takeoff weight. So aircrafts that pass the range come safe. 
life in a mass of flames. Atmospheric oscillations cause extreme accelerations. The physical damage could devastate the electrical or chemical biological substances smuggled by the government's officials to customers. Moving airstreams would cause ionization. Cosmic rays would then expose you to radiation. All this plays in the part of the great invasion. A rectangular equation, your game awakening. We land on plane on the planes of the Lannister. Formulating the plan to stick, or there's a chance for I'm it. Riding through the atoms. What is this loneliness I'm feeling? It's all in your hands. This loneliness I'm feeling. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> For panic, proceed with planning. Soon as they landed, blown off the planet. Aquatic space vessels flow like a wet dream. Conductor of the thought train, the alternate jet stream. When Mother Nature got out of line with Father Time, she was visited. Now we gotta live with it. Reptilian, amphibious man. Cause you kept chilling and just missed the plan. We unify humans, aliens, rebels, the Earth's desert, sandstorms and dust devils. There's no high road fallacy, the most glamorous, conglomerous in the spiral galaxy. The possibility of extraterrestrial contact with all facts. Humans were the first stage of attack, meant to further mutate to creatures named zoonoids. Travel to the Earth before the legionaries were destroyed. What is this loneliness I'm feeling? It's all in your hands. This loneliness I'm feeling. Structure was dug up from the rim of the Milky Way galaxy systematically. Empires collapsed from higher attacks. I admire the inspiring acts that my eyes were infatuated with. Final conflict. Interstellar civilizations came with bombs and ships. Machines with artificial intelligence telling us our existence is not relevant. Damn, who a volunteer to bounce extremely low frequency rounds off the ionosphere? Tell all alien life, I'm in here. So your vessel, it can get commandeered like your planet. Cause you taking it for granted. Then everyone ran when they landed. <laughs> See? There's a pentagon inside every pentagram. Do your geometry. Send the center, fam. I'm riding through the atoms. What is this loneliness I'm feeling? It's all in your hands. This loneliness I'm one thing to do a song as a prequel to a previous song similar to doing an album as a sequel to a previous album however i can only think of one band who did an album as a sequel to a single song that band of course is dream theater with their album metropolis part two scenes from a memory despite the fact that the song metropolis part one the miracle and the sleeper was actually never intended to be a part one with the name just being a bit of a joke they somehow managed to stretch this out into an entire album for that unintended sequel. 
the results are mixed. I mean, Dream Theater fans seem to love this album, but as far as sequels go, there are really only a few parts that actually have anything to do with that original song. But our next song from Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from a Memory, is Scene 7, Part 2, One Last Time. Starting to think they were taking the piss.
every now and then, a sequel will be released to a famous song which rivals the original track. Now, these truly are few and far between, but when one manages to pull this off, the results are glorious. The twist by Chubby Checker was one of the biggest hits of 1961, and has earned its iconic status many times over, having been ingrained into the very fabric of popular music. But Mr. Checker knew the value of striking when the iron is hot, and released a sequel the very next year, a little song called Let's Twist Again. And I would argue that it's the better song, but that's nobody's business but mine really. I am however willing to dub the Chubby Checker Twist duology the godfather of rock and roll songs, two parts that work together in perfect harmony, each legendary in their own right. And yes, I am ignoring everything after Godfather Part 2 for the sake of that analogy, Please don't ruin this for me. There's a bunch of them waiting for you. And since you're joining us next week, what you will get is an exploration to one of the most poorly labelled, badly constructed and ill-advised sections in any record store you will ever walk into as we ask, what even is world music? It's going to be an odd one. We'll see you there.
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.